listening to The Scope, Phelps Health Podcast, Episode 2. Today we're talking about COVID-19, the flu, and allergies. Let's get started. Hi everybody, I'm your host Paige Heitman. The Scope Podcast is produced on a regular basis and can be found by visiting phelpshealth.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your SoundCloud stream or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also follow Phelps Health on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today our guest is Dr. Mary Dolman, an ENT with Phelps Health Medical Group. So Dr. Dolman, whenever we get started today, what I thought it would be really cool to do is talk about what an ENT is. So it's not an ANT, it's not an ANT, an ENT is really cool. And so they're what's known as the happy surgeons. So what do you do? All right, well Paige, I am an otolaryngologist. That is a medical term for an ENT which many physicians or otolaryngologists like to say because they don't want to get confused with an EMT, Emergency Medical Transport. Yes, easy to get confused. Yes, (laughs) ENT stands for ear, nose, and throat. So they are technically surgery subspecialists. They specialize in the area from the clavicle Mm -hmm. to the skull base, so the bone that separates the brain from the rest of the head and neck. That is their wheelhouse. They also treat a lot of diseases medically. So they're not necessarily pigeonholed into just treating and treating. They will follow patients for a long period of time because many ENT complaints like dizziness or vertigo aren't necessarily treated with surgeries or allergies for that matter. They are treated medically and so they need this prolonged patient-physician relationship which is which is really great. Unlike a lot of other surgery subspecialties there's no real medical mirror. So like Cardiothoracic surgery has pulmonology, it has cardiology. Those are medical specialties that mirror the surgical specialty. Urology has nephrology. Dentistry has oral maxillofacial surgery. Even ophthalmology has optometry that helps. Now we work with a lot of other medical specialists very closely. We work with speech language pathologists, we work with endocrinologists, we work with audiologists, but there's no real mirror which is, once again, what makes ENT really unique in the fact that they end up managing many complaints medically. Whenever you talk about managing different medical complaints, such as ear, nose, throat, what about skin problems, balance problems? How do those correlate with your profession? Well, if it's on the head and neck, we'll take a look at it. (laughs) Right. So there's a balance organ in the ear, Mm -hmm. which often is associated with some balance disorders. So ENTs a lot of times will be asked to help weigh in on those problems. There are skin cancers or other rashes or skin conditions that may appear on the face that frequently, you know, primary care providers would like an ENT to evaluate and weigh in on. So yeah, if it's between the clavicle and the skull base, we're happy to to take a look at it. You guys get called into the line of duty pretty often then. We do. (laughs) And I think a lot of people don't realize that we have quite a few ENTs here at Phelps Health. We do. We have a uh, three-physician team, and then we have two really great advanced uh, practice providers that help us. And then we do. We have a um, a lot of great nurses that are certainly, you know, a lot of the uh, momentum behind the force. And I've mentioned this previously in our radio shows, but I know that you are prior military, and you've come back here to Rala. Why is this area so special to you? Well, in my former military life, I was stationed at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. I was the practicing otolaryngologist for the post. And my husband and I really fell in love with the area. We really liked, 
you know, the Midwest wholesomeness. We liked the speed of the community. My husband is from Illinois, so it was close, but not like too close to family. <laughs> uh, and I am kind of a rolling stone. I have mm. a little bit of a gypsy bone. So, I mean, you can pretty much stick me anywhere and usually I, I do really well. But we did. Happy. Yeah, we really did enjoy this area. We liked that it wasn't, you know, too crowded, but it was close to some city life. You know, like I said, we really liked, um, we really liked Phelps Health. We liked how uh, patient-oriented and provider-oriented they were. And so it was a really good fit for us. Have you found that it's been pretty unique with the patient focus that you have? It's not always a clinical diagnosis, but I've found that it's also a personal connection that a lot of the providers get to have with the patients that they get to get to meet. I agree 100%. And that's another reason why I like DNT because you really do get to develop that patient um, provider relationship. But yeah, it's, it is. It's really great here. Yeah, I know whenever you say ENT, it makes me think about birth to dirt kind of thing, mm -hmm. which sounds kind of crazy. I know it's a little, that's a little off color to say, but it is almost like that. You get mm -hmm. people who are babies and then you have them as toddlers, young adults, you get them whenever they're older. That's just, that's really unique to your field. Right, we do. We say, I say cradle to grave, similar idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. And that was, once again, another reason why I really love ENT. I didn't get pigeonholed into an age. Um, you, we do, we see infants if they per perhaps have a feeding difficulty they think is related mm -hmm. to their tongue mobility we you know see uh, infants for you know ear infections you know we see you know young adults or um, you know yeah young adults for potential like voice order disorders or other mm -hmm. problems you know we'll see middle-aged people for other things and then you know yeah we see you know a lot of our geriatric population for their dizziness and balance problems or you know other lumps or bumps that they might have so you mentioned voice disorders, and that's something that I think is going to be really cool to talk about today, because my voice is a little scratchy because it's allergy season and my nose has been runny, but man, what a terrible time to have allergies, right? With COVID-19, exactly. I see somebody sneeze or somebody sees me cough and they look at me like I have the plague. They give you the test here, don't they? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I really want to talk about um, allergies today and kind of how we can differentiate between those symptoms and when we actually need to seek medical attention because it's not just allergies and even whenever we have allergies what it looks like whenever we do seek medical attention so to kind of get started with that we have this really cool stat that you shared with me I think more than 50 million Americans experience various types of allergies this year and it affects as many as one in four people mm -hmm. that's right there's a significant amount of money that is actually um, taxed on the economy because of absenteeism from work, because people's allergies are really bad, or you know your your kids' allergies are really bad. And you're not 100% sure if oh are they starting to get a cold or maybe strep throat, and so they'll keep them from school. And when when a kid stays home from school, somebody's got to take care of them, right? So the parents take off of work, or mm -hmm. there's um, you know they're taking their their children into the doctor's office because they're just they're not sure and they want to get on, on top of something early because the last thing they want is their kid to be out all week you know and that of course is when schools normally in session not canceled because of a pandemic <laughs> yeah absolutely we're in yeah. a really unique position right now where school's been canceled for months right but it does allergies affect on an average one in four people wow mm -hmm. what are some of the worst seasonal allergy offenders especially right now whenever we're kind of in the middle of spring going mm -hmm. into early summer right exactly so trees and grasses are the worst offenders for spring and summer. It's because everything's blooming, right? And mm -hmm. that's how trees and grasses make new trees and grasses with oh, their pollen. And so, yeah, when that stuff is in the air and we breathe it in, if you have allergies, a lot of times that's what you see at this time of the year. Fall tends to be weeds. 
Okay. And then um, there are the all-year-round allergies like dust, uh, dust mite and cockroach and pet dander, things that a lot of times you see more inside the home. Mold is kind of all-year-round, but um, it tends to flare up when it's colder and more damp. So kind of the change of season -y stuff, maybe, you know, fall to winter. How do we detect those different allergies, especially right now? Is it just whenever we're sneezing? Is it I wake up and my eye is swollen shut? <laughs> is it different for every person? It's, you know, we tend to take the whole story into consideration. Mm -hmm. That's really what I tend to base a lot of my allergy diagnosis on. Now, um, but yes, you know, you want the person's uh, story to match the season that we know things are in, right? So if they're like, yeah, in the spring, my face is just swollen shut and it's terrible and I sneeze when I go outside and if they happen to say the pollen count's high, I know I'm going to have a bad day, you know, that's, those things match if, you know, but if you happen to get an allergy test and they tested positive for cats and they're like, oh no, I have Mr. Fuzzy Buttons and I run my face in them all the time and we're great, it's not a problem, then yeah, okay, I'm not going to say you don't have a cat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. It is a story and a lot of times the tasks that you have to put together. Which is why it's really important to establish a previous relationship with an ENT or a primary care that can refer you. Mm -hmm. Because if you go in and they don't know that you have Mr. Fuzzy Buttons, how are they supposed to diagnose you? That's right. That's right. <laughs> are children at risk for allergies more than adults are or how does that change over the course of our, of our life? There is some genetic predisposition. You kind of notice that a lot of times it's a family thing. Everybody's got it. You know, there are different panels. So perhaps you grew up in Arizona and then after you graduated college, you moved to Missouri mm -hmm. and you're exposed to different things. So that tends to be a, a thing. Some people are okay or maybe the symptoms didn't bother them so much and so they never really thought about it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, something breaks the camel's back and they just can't take it anymore. So it may get worse over time, and some people it's just bad from the get-go. And boy, do we feel sorry for them. I know. <laughs> That's a rough go of it. Which leads me kind of to my next question. Why do some allergy medicines work, but some don't? Is that because we are predisposed to something? Is it because I have always taken this certain medicine? Maybe I've taken it too much. My body, body's become immune to it. You know, that may be the case, but it's like every medicine. Some medicines work better for people, mm -hmm. you know, compared to other people. So it's a lot of times it is just finding the right fit. And then a lot of times, too, uh, what uh, physicians or providers are trying to do is they're trying to give you the least potent thing to get the most effectiveness, right? You don't necessarily want to start off with the biggest guns out the gate um, and then somebody's just super sleepy all the time, you know, or then because it's so much easier to, to ramp it up a little bit sometimes and backing stuff down. And then it depends on what your symptoms are too that really bother mm -hmm. you. Um, some things are known just to potentially work better for certain issues. For example, you know, rhinitis, runny noses, and nasal congestion, nasal sprays really are the best. I mean, Claritin is a good drug, Zyrtec is a good medicine, um, or their generic forms, but mm -hmm. you know, they don't tend to target that area as well as like a nasal spray, a nasal steroid. Okay, mm -hmm. what happens if somebody takes like Claritin but they find that it doesn't work very well for them. Should they just automatically try the next over-the-counter medicine or should they set up an appointment with a provider to kind of see what's going on? I always recommend, you know, following up with your, your provider mm -hmm. to help get some guidance. Um, you know, you know, we do encourage people to, to try the simplest things first, mm -hmm. you know, and if it works for them that they can just go and pick up something over the counter and just see, like, that's okay. Like, I never want to discourage somebody from yeah. doing that. But if you do have a lot of other medications, 
you know, it really is great to, to get a physician's weigh in because they're like, well, maybe you shouldn't do that. Or maybe you've tried everything and you, and, and you're fed up with it. And perhaps immunotherapy is the next step, right? Or, you know, a certain combination of medicines, you know, or, you know, sometimes you shouldn't be taking a medicine because you're on, you know, this other medication. Like that's where seeing her provider really can be very beneficial. So I think that's really important. Let's take some time right now and talk about how important it is to have an informed conversation with your provider instead of just always WebMDing. My husband is really bad for this and I'm going to out him right now and he's <laughs> going to listen to this and we're going to have to have a conversation probably. But I think a lot of people go on WebMD and then they go into Walmart or wherever their closest pharmacy is and they say, I need these four drugs that's going to cure whatever my allergy illness is. Is that the right thing to do? Like I said, it's, it's every person is specific and I never want to discourage people from looking yes. up their symptoms. Like I encourage you to, you know, educate yourself. Yeah, educate mm -hmm. yourself. That is, that is great. Um, but when you start thinking, oh, I have dengue fever, which is a super rare thing, you know, but they have it, they know they would have it, <laughs> you know, let, you know, advanced providers and physicians, they went to school for a long time mm -hmm. to help to help do, you know, tease those finer details yes. out. And they can, like I said, they can, they can really help you. Like every physician and advanced provider, they just want to help you and do what's best for you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, <laughs> it may be trial and error and that's not always the wrong answer, but mm -hmm. you know, getting a second set of eyes, a fresh set of eyes on something really can help you out because sometimes there are some other associated, you know, illnesses that also need to be addressed that come up, for example, like asthma and allergies. And it may really help because maybe it's not your allergies, it's your asthma flaring up and you can take all the Claritin in the world and it's not going to help that. Absolutely. So asthma has to deal a lot with breathing, mm -hmm. which is part of one of the symptoms of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So COVID-19 and the flu are systemic because they affect other systems in the lower respiratory tract. Can you talk a little bit to that versus how they're different from allergies? Okay. Yes. Great. So. Allergies, the way I describe seasonal allergies, I'm not talking about food or medication allergies, mm -hmm. right? But it is an abnormal response of your body to something that we really would consider normal. Pollen is normal. It is supposed to be in the air. Mm -hmm. When you breathe it in though, and your body goes into hyperdrive and it wants to treat it like an invader and it, you know, causes a lot of inflammation and potentially can raise your body temperature a little bit. You know, it's an abnormal response. So mm -hmm. that is a generalized idea of what, you know, a, an environmental or seasonal allergy okay. is. Okay. So it's just like a little enemy invader type of thing. Right. Now, so are viruses. Viruses yes. are enemy invaders too, but a virus should not be in the body. It, mm -hmm. it, is, it is a unit that is designed to replicate and it has to break down and destroy your cells in the intro. So it's like overtaking your cell making the cell create more little viruses and then, you know, they bust out and that's their job. So that's, that's kind of the difference. It should not be in the cell. It should not be in the body. I mean, if you breathe in pollen, that is kind of a normal thing. Okay. That was a really great description of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So asthma I have here can flare up during allergy season, especially when the pollen counts high. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if we have a lot of people that maybe are going undiagnosed with asthma right now and they think that they have COVID-19, but really they just have allergies. Mm -hmm. That's true. It's possible. It's possible. So uncomplicated allergies, not necessarily with asthma. Mm -hmm. um, and COVID-19 is the shortness of breath. 
okay? If you feel like you cannot get a deep breath in and you're really having, you know, a hard time breathing, that is kind of the, the you know, complaint that really kind of tips the scales that maybe something else is going on, mm -hmm. right? There are coughs with both, right? But a lot of times an allergy cough is kind of described like a tickle in the throat or when I ask patients, well, where do you feel like your cough is coming from? They'll go like here or they'll look right here. And a lot of times with COVID-19, because it is more of a lower airway problem, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, I can't breathe. It's like right here. Now, a lot of asthma patients will have that same, I can't get a deep breath in. They have wheezing, but a lot of times they have, you know, previous history of asthma, you know, and they don't necessarily have the fever. They don't have, you know, the sore throat and the other, you know, constellation of symptoms mm -hmm. that a virus would have. So there's some background to back that up with people who have asthma versus a possible case of COVID-19. Correct. Which is really, again, why it's important to, to really recognize your symptoms, to keep tra track of them, mm -hmm. and to not just immediately assume that we're really, really sick and have to go to the ER or have to go to the triage tent. We need to make sure that we're monitoring ourselves. Correct. And taking care of ourselves. Correct. So um, we're kind of at the end of flu season, but people are still at risk for getting it. Correct. So I thought that would be something really important to talk about as well. So if somebody has the flu, they usually have like fevers, chills, muscle aches, um, exhaustion, and it usually comes on pretty quickly, right? Yes. So you feel terrible with the flu in general. It is like a brick like wall. Like a mat truck hit you. Exactly. You do. You feel you have a, you know, you have a high fever. You, a lot of times will have sore throat. You have, you can have a cough and you can have a little bit of shortness of breath. You have body aches, you have chills, you, you know, your joints hurt. Yeah, it's, and it, like I said, it does. It comes on very, very quickly and that tends to be a, a description of the flu. And listening to you describe this, it sounds like it's pretty easy to distinguish between the flu and COVID-19 because with COVID-19, it almost is a little bit slower onset versus the flu. It can be, it, it can be a slower onset. Uh, the, the big things we look for with COVID-19 are the fever, uh, the cough, the shortness of breath, mm -hmm. you know, and then potential exposure as well. And the same for the flu, there's potential yeah. exposure as well. And then, yeah, then that time, that time differentiation. What are some steps we should take if we think that we have any of these, whether it's allergies, the flu, COVID-19. I know we shouldn't just walk into a clinic right now. Should we call and make an appointment? Uh, we have televisits right now, which are really mm -hmm. fun too. I don't know if you've had any experience I have had a couple. those. Yeah. How have those been for you? They've been good. Now you can't listen to lungs. Yes. And you can't listen to the heart. <laughs> but uh, you could, I'm surprised how much I can really get accomplished without necessarily having a patient in the room with me. Have people been able to paint you a really good picture of what their symptoms are so that you can provide a really great level of care for them? Yes, and a lot of it is asking a lot of questions too, helping helping the patients, you know, I don't want to say guide their their description, but giving them sometimes some better words or some options that are like, well, between X, Y, and Z, what is it? And they can be, oh yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, I it think helps. that would be one of my biggest concerns. I haven't had to do a televisit, obviously. Um, but I think for some people, it would be really hard to call in and be like, well, this is what I'm dealing with. And if you could see me, you would know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if I could just send you a photo. So talking over the phone sometimes I think could be a barrier to entry for a lot of people. Okay, but we also do have the video telehealth as well. So. Which is really nice, right? Yes. yes. That's awesome. So I know we're kind of nearing the, nearing the end of our show, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to give any advice that you would like to give for people that 
are struggling during this time with allergies or the flu or COVID-19 and maybe they have questions or concerns, what, what are some final thoughts that you might share with them? Well, luckily we are starting to open up our schedules again uh, for you know, more, we'd say routine mm -hmm. visits. If you are ever concerned though, I would not discourage you from trying to call and make an appointment to see your provider. Like everybody is always happy to at least yeah. guide you and no, I don't think you need to come in right now. You can try X, Y, Z or yes, you know, we're happy to see you right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I never want to discourage someone from, from, from seeking help. So, but in general, it is good to try to see your primary care provider first. Uh, before going to the emergency room um, because you know those those doctors are very busy they are really trying to focus on you know keeping healthy people out of the emergency room mm -hmm. to help avoid potential you know exposure and spread of, of COVID-19. Yeah that's our goal is to keep everybody right. happy and healthy and safe. That's right but if you think you have allergies typically there's a lot of itching involved, um, sneezing, post-nasal drainage, um, Itchy ears is another one. Nasal congestion is another one. Those are pretty unique. Those aren't necessarily seen with influenza mm -hmm. or COVID-19. Those are common. Sometimes a rash as well. You don't usually see that with COVID-19 or influenza. Um, the shortness of breath tends to be the red flag that will usually make a lot of providers be like, yes, we really need to see you. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, don't, you know, pass, you know, pass go, go straight to the emergency room. We're, we're worried about you. Um, asthma is kind of in the middle. You know, a lot of times patients know they have it. They, a lot of times will say they wheeze or maybe they have a nighttime cough that doesn't bother them a lot or they have triggers. They're like, whenever fuzzy buttons jumps in my lap, like I just can't <laughs> stop coughing and it's wheezy and I can hear it. And but I refuse to get rid of fuzzy buttons. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, well, we, we do the best we can. All we do is give our expert medical opinion. We don't make anybody do anything. Uh -huh. <laughs> Which that's all you can do. That's right. right. Just give them a lot of information to help them make the best decision for themselves. Absolutely. So thanks so much for listening to The Scope, everybody. Again, I'm your host, Paige Heitman, and today we've had Dr. Mary Dolman. Thank you so much, Dr. Dolman. It's You're, been a pleasure. Thank you so much, and I want to give a shout out to my mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> I know we missed that last time on the radio show, so. Okay. <laughs> If you liked our show and would like to know more, check out PhelpsHealth.org. Join us next time when we talk to President and CEO of Phelps Health, Ed Clayton.